0: Good evening, America. Good afternoon, or good morning, wherever you may be listening to us here. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and this is a conversation with Gez. And I will introduce you to my gorgeous co-host and guest in a moment's time. Now, welcome back to the show. This week, I want to remind you that Payo is listening live online, ready to take your comments, questions, and provide links to anything that we talk about today. Alternatively, you can jump onto TonyLontis.com and find out all about my co-host and my guests and anything that they talk about on the website. You'll also catch the replays of these live shows on Binge Networks USA, Hero Go TV USA and, of course, the Tony TV channel app available on all Roku, Samsung and LG smart TVs across the planet. Now, as you know... Uh, this show is co-hosted with the gorgeous international best-selling author Kez Wickham St. George who is also an artist and a mentor and she does amazing book reviews so don't forget to reach out to Kez and let her know that you've got a book that you want to publish and have a chat to her about what that might look like for you. And just a reminder that we are going to go through a little bit of a rebranding process shortly and and uh, transverse from Radio Tony to Tony TV, and this show will become the Authors and Artists Hour, where we will showcase amazing authors or those in the publishing and related industries across the planet. Now... Joining Kez and I today is the fabulous Michelle Gardner. And here's what you need to know about Michelle. Michelle is the founder and director of the Aspire series, which is a movement and platform for women who are dedicated to pioneering social change and impact as well as a methodology in facilitating change work in the community michelle has spent 15 years working in the australian child protection and community sectors supporting children young people and families through the most vulnerable of life experiences Through hearing many of these life stories, Michelle became most passionate about raising the aspirations of young people and women and was greatly inspired in her work with the Aspire series. This passion parallels Michelle's own experiences of working to define her own voice and use this to build a life that she too is proud of. It's Michelle's intention in creating the Aspire series um, pardon me, that women, we, that as women we can become connected and heart-centered leaders, and use one another to become the best that we can be for ourselves and for the future of women who model themselves on us. From this place, we can truly influence social change and contribute to the shifting dynamic of both our local communities and our global societies. We're at the point in time where our stories, experiences, livelihoods account for so much more than we can imagine, and we cannot afford to see ourselves in any lesser light. Our stories truly are the gateway to enabling and facilitating so much of the change that we each wish to see in our communities. Michelle also holds a Bachelor's of Social and Community Welfare, a Graduate Certificate in Mental Health Science, Child Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy. Gosh, that's a fascinating um, mouthful. She's also a yoga teacher, and uh, with the yoga uh, yoga academy, and has a background in life coaching, individual and collective narrative work, leadership and empowerment program facilitation, and a trauma informed practice. Gosh, we have so much to talk to Michelle about. She's also a published co author, holds an Australian not for profit board experience for survivors of sexual abuse, and volunteer experience with refugee communities. Now, in her spare time, she loves to dance do yoga cook and chase the sun she lives in bali indonesia and both kez and i are delighted to welcome michelle to the show good morning michelle and welcome back kez thank you good morning michelle thank you
1: thank you
2: good
1: morning you know when tony was reading your bio when tony was reading your bio i thought you're too young you're much too young You've got to be a hundred years old to do all that stuff you've done. It's amazing. What an amazing woman you are. You know, I there was one point where I got teary because like when you're
2: writing it, it's very different to having somebody else read out and you're like, holy crap, actually that's true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we're done. I think everything's already said
1: there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know Michelle part of the glory of doing a live show is actually reading out the guests' bio because many of them have the same reaction as you they've never actually been introduced with um, passion and interest and their bio takes life when someone else reads it so that's, that's just made my day so I'm going to hand over to Kez now because she's got the first question
1: Oh I have too <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so interested in what can... you've got to say about Michelle so <laughs> the word aspire now to me it's um, being a writer it's an interesting word words have feelings to them so what does aspire mean to you
2: gosh it means so many things um i'm a bit of a geek for words as well and i often find myself researching the definition uh, and synonyms of words so if you research aspire there are two main uh definitions behind it one is around rising high and the other one is around where you direct your hopes and your aspirations So when I think of Aspire, I think of it as being quite light, but it also connects me really strongly to the work that I have done previously with young people. And um, there is one story that connects. So I'm not sure how much story you want, but um, basically... As much
0: as you like.
2: As much as I like, as much as we can fit in. Awesome. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, there was this one um, experience which really connected me to my own experience in the world as well. So... I had this time um, with a young person who was talking about, you know, she she wanted to present a piece and it was a really important piece in front of ministers, commissioners, all the things. And um, in my previous work, when I used to help young people share their story and speak publicly about their story, um, about having been involved with child protection, having grown up in out of home care and foster care and group homes and all that stuff. And this young woman, she was really passionate about sharing about how we need to raise young people's aspirations. Because quite often when they've gone through our public systems, Mm. um, not Mm. only their own sense of self-worth and their own ideas about what is quite possible for them are kind of squashed down. The system itself does that as well inadvertently. Mm. And quite often that comes through the language that we use without even realizing what we're saying and doing. So for a lot of young people that I used to work with, they used to talk about how schools would actually talk them out of finishing high school, because of their trauma background, it was, it was you know, it would be too much for them to do their VCE. Finishing high school in Australia is called your VCE, or in Victoria, it's called um, your Victorian Certificate of Education. So they were quite often be talked out of it and directed down an easier route or an easier path. And for this young person, a huge part of her story was around um, wanting to share on this platform, which was full of um, child protection workers, non-for-profit workers and education providers Mm. and the education system, the importance of helping young people to raise their aspirations and really shifting that language. So um, on the day when she went to present, she didn't show up. And a big part of her story was around having a teacher who used to call her every morning and say to her, are you you coming to school? You need to come to school. If not, I'm coming to your house and I'm getting you. You need to get to school. And she said that was the reason why she finished school. So I was on the phone. (laughs) Turns out that she had gone to bed at 3 a.m. I said, doesn't matter. I'm calling you a cab now. You get in that cab. I'll call you again. And I'm prepping you on the way there. I'll be standing on the footpath with a coffee and we're walking straight in. And... She agreed, walked in, had coffee in hand, straight onto the stage, delivered this wow. incredible piece in front of um, a couple of secretaries of the department, and that program was not only launched, it was extended. This conversation went around the education department and the child protection out-of-home care department. About six months later, I was presenting it on different, in all kinds of different settings, and I would have random people come to me and go, have you heard of the importance of raising the aspirations of young people? And I was like, Yes, I have. <laughs> and, <heard> of it. <laughs> and it became this enormous conversation. And really, what it taught me is the importance of what happens when we deliver the right message on the right platform, the right people are hearing. Like mm. things can spread like wildfire. So there are so many messages in that. Um, so that was a that was a piece of. You know how that connects back to aspire but also you know in my own background connecting to that exact same story like i i um and i'll share more about this uh, later but um you know i had a mom who was diagnosed with schizophrenia when i was 15 mm. and i had parents that neither of them my dad failed english almost the whole way through high school and both my parents uh. left school at the end of year 10 and for them the furthest that they could see for their kids was um, for us to finish high school. And for them, they pinned all that, their hopes on us finishing high school, but in a way mm. that was kind of like, we really, really hope you finish high school because we didn't. And I remember the day that I came home and I told my parents, they were both sitting in front of the TV, um, watching whatever they were watching. And I stood in front of, between them and the TV, and I said, I wanna to apply to go to uni. And they both uh. said, what? <laughs> And they they were like, is really? Are you smart enough? Like for them it was so, far, so far outside their realm of possibility. And I and and I actually only decided the week before applications closed that I was going to go to uni. Um because before mm. that I was like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not in that that, that cohort that go to uni. Uh. And in the week beforehand, something in my mind just thought, but what if you can? And I thought, well, I'm going to apply and just see what happens. So I applied and then I told my parents and they were just like, what? (laughs) Our daughter going to uni? And uh, since then, everything that I've done has been like, what's she doing now? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there are those two pieces that pin really strongly to um, Aspire beyond what it actually means in itself
1: Mm -hmm. as well. That's amazing, Michelle. Truly amazing, and I bet you, I bet you, glad that you went and actually applied to go to uni. Now, oh my
2: God. it's like one of those sliding door moments where you have a yes. choice, mm-hmm. and your path can go down two different routes. And yeah. it's like, will I challenge myself and my own perception of myself, or do I not and go with that broader messaging of what I've been told my whole life and what I understand about the world?
1: Mm, amazing, definitely.
0: Yeah. Michelle, so my one of my favourite places on the planet is Bali. And so, my question I've been dying to ask and get you to share with the audience how does an Aussie girl end up living and working and in Bali? And the other part around that is, oh my god, I miss Bali. So, normally no. I would have been. A couple of times a year to Bali and just because um of the people and the place and mm. the spirituality of Ubad mm. and it it is really a very special place. But because of the global mm. pandemic, traveling plans have been allayed. So tell me how does an Aussie girl end up living and working in Bali?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know if it was synchronistic or something in the universe. I don't know how it happened myself some days. But, you know, I never actually wanted to travel to Bali at all. It wasn't even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of took it granted as an Australian as well. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's there. Everyone goes there. But um, yeah, you know, the year before, this time three years ago, uh, just after I launched Aspire, I launched Aspire as a Melbourne-based mm-hmm. business um out Mm. of a dance video and I thought that that was where its future was going to be the second I launched it something in me went this isn't where this business is meant to exist and I went back to work at the time I put a picture on my backdrop no conscious awareness of what was actually happening put a picture on the backdrop of my computer um of this woman standing overlooking the jungle and I was like, I told yes. them, that's going to be me. And they were all like, are you crazy? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm serious. That's going to be me. I don't know how or when, but that's going to be me. And I ended up in Peru in the in the Amazon. And I was like, okay, oh, I'm coming back to Melbourne. Came back to Melbourne. I was like, this is not where I'm meant to be at all. Um, this was 2019. So around October. I had something I'd already decided and committed to leaving Melbourne and decided that Bali would be my first base. And I had this feeling in October, 2019 that when I left in January, 2020, that there was going to be this, it was like this really strong feeling of impending doom. I can't even explain
1: Mm, it. um,
2: And something in me was like, am I still going to go? And I decided that, yes, I'm still going, regardless of what happens, regardless of how it lines up, this has to happen. So I left. Originally, my plan was to travel the southern route of the Silk Road, and I really was curious about this path between the east and the west and how language and philosophy and wisdom is transmuted or travels along the path and historically Mm. how that has happened. And Mm. Bali was my first stop. I arrived in Bali and something said, you're home. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going travelling. I went to leave um, at the beginning of March 2020 and something said, no, 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 you're staying here. And I was like, nope, I'm going travelling. See ya. I left for a wedding on the 1st of March in Penang. I went to that. And then I went to Vietnam, which was my first travel stop. And I was like, right, now I'm going to plan my trip. Um, I've done Bali. I've done the wedding. And I just watched as the entire travel route, like dominoes, shut down. (laughs) And I called my family in Australia and I said, what is happening? And they said, you've got to get somewhere safe, (laughs) assuming I would come back to Melbourne. And I was like, something in you is like, you cannot go back to Melbourne. And so I said, I'm coming back to Bali. And they're like, okay, at least. Good judgment
0: on that one, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Very good.
2: um, Yeah. So it. And it, it was literally a spur of the moment decision. I called a local friend in Bali at 11 p.m. and I said, "I'm going to sleep on this, but I think I'm flying back to Bali." I woke up at 4 a.m. I messaged her and I said, "I'm getting on the next flight. I'll see you at the end of today." Booked the wrong flight. It was for a week time. I was like <laughs> I still have to get. I still have to get to Bali. I literally was, it was like out of a movie. I was packing stuff in a bag. Throwing it in the back of the car, calling the guy who owns the accommodation place, saying I'm getting on the next plane to Bali. See, you later. <laughs> went to the, airport, the airport was dead, and I was like, "I've booked the wrong flight. You need to get me on this flight today to Bali." <laughs> no one was on it anyway. <laughs> so, finally, um, <laughs> by the end of the day, and then when I got to Bali, I had people. From all over place, people I don't know contacting me saying, "What are you doing staying in Bali? You need to get back to Australia." And I was like, "You don't even know
1: me." Mm-hmm.
2: Whatever. Um, the day, every day, I was checking all the things. The day that there stopped being flights um, yes. to Bali, I just felt the hugest sense of relief, and I was just like, "I'm locked in an island." People, I don't. It doesn't matter. How bad can that be? <laughs> I'm not coming back to Australia. You can stop trying to convince me. There's not a flight. <laughs> <off the planet. laughs>
1: Wonderful.
2: Yeah, insane story. So that's how mm. I ended up and staying. And that was almost two years ago. Um, yeah, January. 20th. How many years ago? Two.
1: Two, two years. Wow. And yeah. have you
2: moved about? You've moved about in Bali. Yes, I have. Uh, so I've been in a wood for about eighteen months out of that two years. So, yeah, but it's, it's not the Bali you would remember. And it, um, it's very different. Like, imagine Bali without tourism. Oh.
0: <laughs> that sounds divine to me, quite frankly, Michelle. That sounds like pure and utter bliss to have the Balinese people and country all to yourself. But it's not good for Bali, is it?
2: Very tough for Bali. Very, very tough for Bali, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, mm. you know, the majority of. I think it's like ninety percent of the income comes through tourism. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Very tough,
0: mm. Michelle. Yeah. Before I hand you over to Kez for the next question, um, do you see that improving? Have you seen any more tourists uh, turn up yet, or is it changing, or is it still really bad? Mm.
2: Um. The borders are shut for tourism as such. They've made it easier to come in on a longer visa. So most of the people, most of the people that are here, if they're not originally from Bali, they're either expats who have chosen yes. to stay, um, obviously not yes. many. or expats who've <clears throat> come in at particular times so they've been able to come in, uh, or mm. they are tourists from within Bali, uh, within Indonesia. So there are um, times of yes. Things. Groups of tourists come from Jakarta usually. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but is it changing? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's, things are pretty tough at the moment, but you know, we, they say that you come to a peak of a wave and then you go over. It and Things will settle down. I think. I think we'll all be attending your summit. I have a feeling towards it, mm-hmm. but hey, you never know. You got to go with the flow. Yeah,
2: it's happening. I've I've seen it so clearly. I can't tell you so exactly when, but it's definitely happening. Um. Mm. What's the other thing I was going to say on that? Um, doesn't matter. We'll come back.
0: Had they indicated, Michelle, that they indicated when they're likely to to want to open those borders again or mm. it's still just a non, we don't know what's going to happen?
2: I think it depends on a lot of things. And, um, you know, as we know, like things are changing so quickly and constantly
1: across the world. So,
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: I think I think you're going to have a, a friend visit. So if, once the borders are open, I think Tony will be there with a the suitcase.
2: <laughs> <laughs> People say that to me. They're like, the second we can get there, we're going to be there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are ways. Yeah, there. there's nothing.
1: So in Bali, Michelle, you've started up a project called 55 Faces. Now, when I first saw it and I joined it, and you did a beautiful write-up for me, thank you very much, but why 55, It's yeah, 55 Faces? Why just 55 Faces? I know you're going to do more about it, but can you explain to the listeners why 55 Faces? Yeah,
2: you know, it's something that, Gosh, I can't, some days I can't even explain it myself. Sometimes the things that land and you end up running with, you're like, I don't know where this came from, but it's all entirely right. And 55 is one of those. Um, You know, I, gosh, I was in a space where I was like, I need to do something. Something's got to happen. Something's got to shift. What is it? I'm so well and truly ready to create something epic. And... I literally put out bits of paper on my dining room table and I started collecting ideas. And the thing that kept coming was to gather stories, uh, it's a huge part of my background, Uh and to ask women the same three questions and for the women to come from all over the world and to be as broad in demographic as possible. And originally I was thinking 30 stories in 30 days, that's logical. And then I was like, no, that sounds boring. I was like, I want something (laughs) random that people go, why that? And I remember the moment I was standing in my bathroom and I was like, universe, give me a number. And the number that came was 55. And I was like, okay, right, let's go with that. (laughs) That's random. And it also seems like uh, a number that people would go, what the hell? That's insane. That's a lot of stories. And, um, Mm. yeah, so... You know, once again, researching the number 55 has been really interesting. Like five is the number of change in transition and also um, positive change, but also change that's connected to sole purpose as well. So, oh. yeah. Mm.
1: So, <laughs> also yes. double five. That's is, good. Double five is a 10, which is a one, which is new beginnings.
2: Yes, new beginnings. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And when I'm looking at doing two books... That mm. together is 110 plus me, that's 111. So that's three lots of one. So there's a lot of magic in yeah, it yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah, that's happening there. And definitely. Yeah, and it's been really potent. Like women that I've spoken to who've really taken the three questions to heart. It has been quite transformative because it's made them really look and think and turn inwards. Mm. So, yeah. And why faces? I why? know. I was going to do voices, and then I because it was it was visual. I was like, no, it'll be about the face. So I
0: yeah. feel like there's
2: a whole world to explore there in itself at some point as well. So mm.
0: yeah.
2: I was just going to so- say, I
0: have a I have another friend who lives in Bali, and coincidentally, uh, she she's close to Ubud as well. But uh, she does face reading, and I'll, <laughs> I'll have. I know Melody. (laughs) Melody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Aha. See, don't you love it when synchronicity plays out out across the – oh, my goodness. So, um, the 55 faces – My question was around where you see yourself in 12 months, but I also want to – actually, before we answer that question, I really want to know about your dreams for the summit, what that looks like, where – you're not actually sure when it is, but you do know perhaps where it will be. What does that look like, Michelle? Yeah. Um,
2: I'm seeing it in 12 months in January 2023. I feel like that's going to be the timing for it. Um, I was mm-hmm. looking at November 2022, but I don't want everyone coming to to Bali when it's just raining all day every day. So I think January yeah. is safer. Um, and I feel like 12 months out is a good timeline as well. So how do I see it? Mm-hmm. I imagine it's in a book um, up, in the, up in the hills. Yep. I, I imagine that it's going to be three very full days with um, – Speakers and workshops and presentations and keynotes and all that stuff during the day, and then in the yeah. evening, an event every night. So imagine the first night is mm. going to be the coming together of women from the two books: so Balinese women yes. or Indonesian women with the women who um, have have participated in the global Book and that real merging of cultures and sharing of um, you know traditional wisdom mm. with, um, with yes, yes. Yeah, mm the worldly Western wisdom, which in the conversations I've had with um, Balinese women in the last few months about what is really needed, that is, that is key mm. and that is really
1: great. that
2: kind of bringing of ideas from the outside with um, emerging of, you know, what, what the world needs to know um, mm. in, in this time and age. When you think about, the Dalai Lama who said that, you know, the Western woman would change the world. The second part to that is that the Western woman needs to meet the Eastern woman. So Mm. I just, this whole background that I have around bringing, you know, politicians and CEOs and commissioners together with young people that have a experience is potent, incredibly potent. Mm. And I imagine the second night is going to be the book launch. Mm -hmm. Um, And I imagine that the third night will be a gala um, celebrating uh, people that are women that are leading social change projects. Fabulous. um, Um, Projects. And mm. um, celebrating and honouring the the effort and the energy that goes into doing this stuff across the world. So, and then I imagine there being mm. two possible days on the other side—probably like a fun spa day and like a I don't know something we go to. A oh spa yes. Side. <laughs> days that are like compacted
0: like this, and then the fun stuff yep. on the outside. Yep. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That sounds mm. good to me. Yeah,
1: there's yeah. nothing nothing like going to a Balinese sauna. It's just beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So the the books, Michelle, now you've just talked about a book. So yeah. how many there's obviously more than fifty five women have contacted you. Yes. Um and know just by having our private conversations you've been inundated, which is just beautiful. But um how many books do you intend to put out?
2: Mm. <laughs> No, when it was actually the women involved, she said, Michelle, you should turn this into a book. And at the time I was like, what? <laughs> a book? And now I've had people come to me and say, what about this demographic? What about this demo?" And now I'm like, oh, crap, I've got to write like 10 books. <laughs> but I um, <laughs> started with two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my, my, my plan is um, for the first one to be women globally. They come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, who have, you know, whatever kind of influence they have or interest or communities across the world um, who want to be a part of this and see the value uh, in it and also being published as well as a part of this. Um, So they will be Mm. the initial 55. And I also see a 55 of a particular demographic which is kind of like honed Mm. in, localised, um, which is a very, very different story that is told, which is what I have found so far. And the first um, one for that will be um, the Balinese women. And so mm. often, not, so often, you know, with, and this is what they've said. You know, people come from all over the world, and you know, right. they they have their feet scrubbed and all the things. But what is their actual story, mm. and what is going on um, for them, and what is it that they would like shared? So uh, it feels like the. A huge, huge, huge honour to be able to share their stories mm. as well and to celebrate and support that as well. So the plan is two books um, at this stage, and then um, I'm imagining that in future years that will be replicated as well.
1: Yeah. Amazing, amazing! Mm. I, by watching you on Facebook, I've seen that um, there's there's a huge international forum of ladies that have all just did you know, they've held their hands up. And there's obviously a huge interest in sharing their voice and sharing their story. So well done, Michelle, because we all need to do this. We all need to share our story because that's the only way we can build each other up is sharing.
2: Oh, my gosh, yes. And, you know, I remember, you know, I could I could stand in front of any room and say anything. And it would have absolutely no power or no motivation to make things move in comparison mm. to one young person who would get up and share their lived experience. Like mm. there is, there's no comparison, no comparison no. in the world. But to be able to support and back them to do that really, really well, mm. um, particularly mm. in the right mm. forum, like there is, there's no comparison to that. And yeah, that's I, think that's, I just love that. I absolutely love that. And um, mm. yeah, to be able to bring that knowledge and wisdom into a different space feels really, really, really special.
0: Mm. Mm. I agree. Tony? Michelle, I want to take the conversation back to um, trauma informed care particularly because it's a bit of a passion for me having walked through trauma myself walked my daughter through incredible trauma um the difference that it would have made to her life is would have been around people being informed about what trauma does to personality to behavior, and to life. And uh, one of my bigger background um, visions is that one day we will live in a world, I mean, obviously it would be great to live in a world where children don't suffer trauma, um, but at the very least... When they do suffer trauma, that the people that they are connected to along that path are trauma informed. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about what trauma, uh, being trauma informed is about? Because it's particularly important. We're starting to talk about it a bit more, but I'd really like to use this platform to keep talking about that conversation because very important in relation to the outcome of that particular child for people to understand that trauma leaves a legacy it leaves a scar it has an impact and the difference between that the healing of that trauma is often from having informed trauma-informed care so can you talk a little bit about that for us please michelle
2: yeah absolutely great question i think um you, you are right. Like the conversation around being trauma-informed has become a bit of a buzz thing in the last few years. Even the word trauma has become a bit of a buzz thing. Mm. Um, and sometimes mm. it's never spoken about not so long ago or very rarely spoken about and very rarely understood a few years ago. It's now, you know, all of a sudden in some way, like lots of people are talking about, <laughs> talking about trauma. Yeah. And is,
0: which is trauma. better. Yes.
2: Better. In some ways I, um, and sometimes I worry that, in some settings, it can be a little bit over-sensualised. Is that the word as well? And not fully, not well-contained. Yes, um, yes. yes. And that's a piece of work that I used to do with young people as well, which was around, mm. yes, we want you to tell your story. Yes, we want it to make an impact. But be wise and be mindful in how you do that and do it in a way that feels safe. That um, matters as yes. container. Where you know that it's going to be a good experience for you sharing that, and also it's going to be really good for the other people receiving that, and that the dialogue becomes <coughs> as well. And that's a really, really sensitive space.
0: And definitely, um, yes,
2: yes. And I would always say to young people, if on any given day, there's something you don't want to share, if it doesn't feel
0: good, mm. then don't
2: share it. It is fully 100% Correct. your responsibility, like you have responsibility um, for yourself in that. And it's
1: right.
2: that's expected to be shared ever. That doesn't um. matter. And, um, oh gosh, what else can I say in that? And I guess that the main key component of that is the space that is held and how it is held. And I think that's another buzz thing that's come about in the last few years as well, Uh
0: um,
2: which so much of it is around, is simple and it's around presence, but then so Mm. much of it is a lot more complicated as well, because as I spoke about language before, like the language we use and how we respond to people um, where trauma is in the conversation um, is so 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 sensitive, and if you look at it Absolutely. on a one mm-hmm. on it, it's almost like we <coughs> and have that conversation, and it's scary. But on the other end of that as well, like we're every kind of just throwing ourselves or throwing other people kind of out there and going, "Who here? It all is." And neither of those is really okay. And it's really really sensitive how we navigate that middle ground, and know that that is constantly mm-hmm. changing and constantly adapting and mm. it depends so much on the day and what may trigger us on one day wouldn't even we'll be okay mm.
1: yeah. yeah
2: absolutely absolutely mm. and the other thing i want to say on that as well is that trauma is prevalent everywhere in some ways like if i stick a, a yogic term in it um they call it a samskara in yoga which is basically yeah. like a star like you mentioned, a scar. Yes, it's like when you hurt yourself physically. It's a physical trauma, and um, the trauma yep. that we're talking about more is like an emotional trauma.
0: It um, is
1: a
2: star, yes, But a scar does heal. But often there's there's a mark left behind,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: sometimes that can be affected, and sometimes it's perfectly fine. We might want to, you know, put sunscreen um, on if you're out in the sun, so that you know yeah. it doesn't get even more affected. So it's something that we need to take care of and heal and, you know, it's always going to be there, but over time it gets better. But then it's at times there'll be something that will open it back up again. So like if we go through a big growth experience, like chances are that it's going to open that back up again and we'll need to relook at it yep. and rewrite that story mm. of that experience because we are then seeing it from a different light and from yeah. a different angle. Mm. And because mm. trauma is everywhere, I think that everyone in the mm. everyone in the community, everyone in the world, needs to understand a little. Should bit
0: Should be about aware,
2: so uh, like um, absolutely. Band aid on a wound, or a, I don't want to say that it's like putting a band aid yeah. on a wound. That's not right, but you get what I mean. It's like no, I'm but like the, uh, yes, um, <laughs> um, navigate any and any, and. Anything.
0: Particularly, particularly in the first instances where someone uh, starts to talk or discloses a particular trauma, in that first instance, they actually just need someone to listen there's in in that very first they just need someone to listen what happens after that will be determined by who they're surrounded by and and how the people around them understand trauma but in that first instance who you tell is is incredibly important and, and, and how they react is even more important. So, for instance, if, if you're a, a woman perhaps talking about a, a rape and you're not believed in that first instance, that non-belief in that first instance has a greater impact on your healing and recovery okay. than possibly anything else mm-hmm. along that journey. So we want people everyday people and and often disclosure can be to an everyday person it doesn't have to be to a teacher a counselor a psychologist um, someone working around them it may be to a friend the very most important component of that is just to listen don't make judgment don't dismiss it just listen and that's all that you need to do in that moment isn't it michelle just listen the rest will come and often the person being disclosed to has a certain amount of shock that they have to deal with as well so and this relates to people's storytelling particularly in that mm. you need to give them the freedom and space to tell that story in an environment of unconditional love and non-judgment. And those, Michelle, do you see that as, as, as some of the keys that that, you know, for everyday people to understand if someone starts to talk about something that's traumatic, give them space, allow them to speak and don't make judgments. Don't ask a woman what she was wearing, where she was and where she was walking and while she was out at 2 a.m. Do not do that. That's not helpful. That's not okay. That's the bigger trauma-informed care mm-hmm. that I see. And, you know, if, if a child comes to you and, and confesses, I don't like what Uncle Billy does on a weekend, then you just got to listen. The rest will come together. But in that first instant, just give that child the gift of an informed trauma approach and just listen michelle on that subject of informed trauma i know what's happening in the australian space but just quickly i'm curious to as to how that plays out in bali
2: yeah well, there are so many things i'd love to speak to that you just spoke to i feel like you've opened like this entire world um
0: (laughs) we um, need we will have more conversations michelle there'll be more conversations but yes please go ahead sorry kiss
2: that's an entire one about trauma-informed stuff because now i feel like i need Mm. to go and write notes for a book on that
0: um (laughs) good that's my job that's my job
2: Yeah. yeah gosh um uh um your question how does that play out in bali um, yes. it's been really interesting in Bali, it's something that I, you know, when I first arrived, um, I had a couple of people say, you know, what do you do back in Australia? And I told them about it and they were like, that's a problem in Australia. And I'm like, it's a problem here as well. It's just, that it's not spoken about more. It hasn't been mm, covered. Yeah. More.
0: And
2: also being, um, sensitive in what I say there as well for these reasons. Um, yes. But you know, how does it play out? Um, I guess with my background I just I see and I notice things and mm. also being trauma informed as well as sometimes knowing when to say something and when not to and yeah, when exactly they,
0: uh-huh.
2: when to as exactly. you said um, hold a space for people and to know that even if you notice things sometimes that conversation mm. isn't ready to be had. And absolutely to, and to just be present to that and to mm. know that is knowing how to take care of yourself through that as well and to know that in not saying something you know that in some time you might make a connection with somebody where that conversation may come out when it's ready to come out and even if Mm. not directly often I'm, I'm working on some of the kids I used to work with as well here Sometimes there will be little things that are said along the way, and little hints that you go, okay. At some point in the future, there might be um, a conversation that is had um, Mm -hmm. where there might be a disclosure. Um, And I remember, and this isn't even really thinking about Bali now; it's just thinking um, generally. Yeah, I mean, you could be you could be a CEO in an organization. You could be a CEO in a corporate and you need to be aware of this stuff. You could be sitting down with a staff member. Definitely. And, um, performance, and a disclosure might come out, which is why everybody on the planet, whether you're in Bali, um, you know, running a cafe, for example, yeah. whether you're running a, a massive corporate organisation in the US or wherever else in the world you are, like this stuff, it's like mental oh, health first aid. Um, so Actually,
0: absolutely.
2: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Mm. If you look at mental health, if you look at substance abuse, if you look at so many things going on in the world, what is the undercurrent? Link to trauma. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, often we go, that person's got that going on, we'll leave it at that. And it's like, actually, no, what's mm. the undercurrent of this and what is most likely the real conversation that sits underneath yeah. this? Mm. and yeah. isn't being yeah. the space to... Where that person probably doesn't have the space to open up and feel safe Mm,
0: enough to say
2: so it's fair enough to say you know this many people in the world are going to be social workers and they can deal with that issue but that's not actually the thing everybody in the world needs to have some understanding of what it is to be a social worker and how to navigate the real
0: conversations in the world that need to happen
1: yeah i agree Mm.
0: I love that I love that idea of mental health first aid and how billions of us know uh, first aid for the body you know how to resus how to uh, someone has a heart attack mental health can have the same impacts mm-hmm. as a physical That's right. episode mm. it's just we're not we're not we're not talking about that enough and I'm so glad that you've you Use that terminology today Michelle I'm going to hand over to Kez because we're almost out of time and I've asked too many questions Kez, I'm sorry
1: No you're not <laughs> <laughs> No you're not We got onto a subject that was needed to be discussed I was going to say to yeah. Michelle that I, I do a lot of art therapy myself um, and watching as children speak, even teenagers mm-hmm. and young adults as they speak mm-hmm. they, they draw, you'd be amazed what comes out not only are you the listener you're watching and you're watching their response to the questions that are being asked so yeah art therapy for me is huge and I use it in a lot of places Uh, when especially when someone says I want to write a book and I want my Mm. daughter to join me and you think let's do it this way let's do some art first yeah (laughs) (laughs) so but I did want to ask you also um We have a very large international audience listening to us at the moment. So all genres um, are listening and um, your your 55 faces, can they write to you and apply to you to go into the book?
2: Yes, please, 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 please. Um, I would love to hear from you. Absolutely. and when you mentioned uh, genders as well, such another, oh, my gosh, we could do a whole session on all of the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it is for women um, at this point. Why? Um, whatever reason, it's that's what I've been given, working with women through this mm-hmm. big, uh, era of my evolution. I have done some phenomenal, phenomenal work with men um, in really important mm-hmm. spaces. Like so mm-hmm. I love um, and it's interesting if you look at my my content that I put together. I try to put it together in a way that anyone can read it and anyone can apply it to them mm. um, and speak themselves through it. And um, I do recognize I have had quite a few men say, you know, why, um, why not men? And don't you see that men need this stuff? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely agree. Yes,
0: but I'm not called to work with there. men. Yeah. yeah,
2: at this point um, in mm. this container. Um, for yes. where the world is at now and what um, I've been put here in this evolution um, to do with this. Amazing. Like
1: mm-hmm. I do
2: see a men's mm-hmm. book at some point um, and I have. that is one of the things that has been flagged with me and I'm like, yeah, cool, I'm happy to write it. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, with men relating <laughs> to those questions as well. Um, and when I say women, I say women identifying
0: people. So, mm-hmm. if someone identifies yes. as, a Thank woman, you. as a woman,
2: as a woman, yes, please, please, please reach out. I would absolutely love to um, hear your story and have you part of
0: it as well. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah and just for the audience so you know that michelle's contact details will be attached to this show whether you're watching it live or in um uh replay the details to connect with michelle will be attached to this if you can't find them please reach out to kez or myself and we'll be able to direct you uh towards michelle and her wonderful projects michelle i Every time I talk to you, I get a bigger vision of what Aspire um, looks like and will be, and, again, the fact that you are in Bali and doing this work and providing access to the local people as well is, is also um, phenomenal. Kez, um, from your perspective, you'd love to see Michelle write many more books, wouldn't you?
1: Of course. Yes, and she's already in touch with my publisher, so it will be happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, and I, that I, publisher I, is oh, I'm not going <laughs> to say uh, mmh prince. <laughs> 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 I'm not the one and only. So Michelle, <laughs> working with a woman in Bali, um, I yeah, I've been to Bali as Tony has many, many times, and. They are trained to keep it inside, no matter what the issue is. Mm. They are trained. Um, I think Western women have learned to speak out a little bit more, but I don't envy you your job in Bali. I really don't. It would be so hard to say, Tell me your story, talk to me, um, when they've been trained not to. You
2: know what? It's actually not. Really? Mm. I I don't know why, but for some reason, there's something in in me that people just seem to want to tell me their story (laughs) and there's also something really beautiful that i'm finding with balinese women as well is that they are so graciously excited that Mm. a western woman is coming and saying i actually want to know who you are as a person Like i Mm. actually want to know share with me me. Mm.
0: tell me what
2: you want to share so Mm. there's something really magical in that shifting dynamic as well yeah Mm. that's
0: awesome phenomenal wonderful
1: phenomenal you're doing beautiful work thank you so much from all the women thank you
0: Uh, Michelle, before we run out of time, um, so your key projects at the moment are the 55 Faces and you're calling on women from all over the world to get in contact with you and tell you their stories. Um, And then the next big body of work is around the summit that you're planning in the future. Um, What else is in store for Michelle in 2022?
2: (laughs) Ah, there's so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, there are a few other bits and pieces. They're the main ones. Um, there's some, mm. I've got um, the Social Synergy as well, which is aimed more at social and community workers and providing a yes. space for them, which is so important, especially I couldn't even imagine, to be honest, what it would be like being a social worker right now. Um, oh, yeah. And I've got some um, some little courses and other bits and pieces that are in the works too, but let's get Let's get 55 up
0: and kicking up the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Because that's yeah. obviously your key project at this moment in time. Lovely yeah. ladies. We are just about at the end of the show. Um, Michelle, Michelle, we really appreciate you taking the time and joining the program live Mm. from Bali. It's really quite beautiful for me to look here and see where you are and know that you're enjoying that beautiful country in our absence, of course. (laughs) Also to know that, (laughs) also to know that you're safe as well. Mm. And that one day the rest of us will be able to visit you safely again. Just once more that, That project that uh, Michelle is working on is 55 Faces, the Stories of Women. And if you want to look up um, the Aspire series as well or connect with Michelle, please do. Michelle, um, do you want to read out live your best email for us before we run out of time?
2: Yeah, so hello, H-E-L-L-O at
0: The aspireseries.com. So yeah, the Aspire Series. That's T H E A S P I R E dot com. Um Kes Oh Did I say it wrong? (laughs) The Aspire Series. Oh forgot the series. Oh (laughs) <laughs> humble apologies theaspireseries.com goodness gracious me okay tongue tied <laughs> what a wonderful conversation to have with you both today Kez Wickham St. John. thank you so much anyone listening today who wants help with a book idea Kez is your person if you want to tell your story Michelle is your person and today I'm Tony Lontis the co-host of a conversation with Kez and we'll be back next week with another amazing guest on the show <laughs> And that, my friends, is your lot for this week. Tune in next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. bye <laughs> bye